Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh my God, you guys are my favorite. This is the Rich Eisen Show. Rich Eisen. I know what I'm talking about. That's the headline. The Rich Eisen Show with guest host Dan Schwartzman. OMG. Live from the Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles. Oh my gosh. And now, sitting in for Rich, it's Dan Schwartzman. Oh, hour number two of the Rich Eisen Show. A lot of NFL talk in hour one. Oh, we got to do it. We have got to do it. I know it's kind of hitting somebody when they're down, but we don't have a choice. We have to talk about what happened in Boston yesterday. Detroit Pistons, oh, so close to snapping this unbelievable losing streak that just continues and continues and continues. Up 19 points at halftime. You think to yourself, oh, man, they, they can't blow this, right? I mean, they, this, come on. They're just destined to win this game at this point. That's what you thought. And what happens, of course, that's not the way things work. That's not how it plays out. And somehow the Detroit Pistons lose in overtime to the Boston Celtics. And the losing streak is now at 28 games in a row. That now has tied the longest losing streak in NBA history with the Philadelphia 76ers when they were in that Tankadelphia stage, losing as much as they can to try to compile top draft picks. And they lost 28 in a row between the 2014-2015 season, the end of that year, and the beginning of the 2015-2016 season. Heck, at this point, you've lost 28, you've tied the record, you might as well etch your name. Without another team, no co-losers, you might as well lose the Toronto Raptors. And that game comes up on, uh, that's going to be their next game, and that's going to be on Saturday. The 12-18 and 18 Toronto Raptors are at the 2-29 and 29. Detroit Pistons. Now, interestingly enough for Detroit is Toronto has to play today at Boston. So Toronto may be tired on Saturday giving 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 this team a chance to not make history by themselves and be the sole owner of the longest losing streak in NBA history. And this is mind-boggling. This really is. The Pistons started the year off 2-1. and one. They did. They, they actually had a winning record. They lost to Miami by one to start the season. 
Then they win at Charlotte. They knock off Chicago. And folks, that was it. Literally, that was it. From Saturday, October 28th, and we are now a full two months past that, a Detroit Pistons fan has not seen their team win for exactly two months. They've come close. November 8th, they lose to Milwaukee by two. That was a close one. They lose to Denver by four, November 20th. They've had a couple other close ones here and there. But they've been getting blown out big time as well. And yesterday was that opportunity. And it's not a... Look, it's obviously not a good team. Let's not kid ourselves. It's not a good team. But you have a guy named Cade Cunningham, former number one pick, averaging 23 points a game. Bogdanovich is averaging 20 points a game. There is some young talent. Jalen Duran's averaging 13 points, 11.5 rebounds a game. You kind of just think you fall into a win, right? Like, you catch some team on a really bad off night, the way Boston was yesterday, and somehow you pick up a win here or there. The difference with this Pistons team and the Philadelphia 76ers that they share this dubious record with is that Philly was legitimately trying to lose all those games. I can't say the same thing about the Detroit Pistons. They're not trying to lose all these games. They're just losing all these games. It got so bad in Philly that when anybody gave them a chance to win, they got rid of him. Ish Smith emerged as their best player for a little bit. And what do they do to get rid of him? Why? Because they didn't want to win games. That's not what you're seeing here with Detroit. So it's kind of stunning. Monty Williams is their head coach, and there comes a point where you say, how much of this is players? How much of this is just the fact they don't have a lot of good players? And how much of this is actually on the coach? Now, look, a coach isn't going to do it all for you, right? Monty Williams is a guy who, you know, was a first-round pick of the Knicks out of Notre Dame. I believe he had that Did he have that, uh, that, that uh, heart condition, so they always had kind of a defibrillator on the baseline when he played for the Knicks. He had an NBA career that spanned uh, about 9, 10 years. As a head coach, Monty Williams uh, you know, has had some success in Phoenix for four years. He won a bunch of games. He won, what, 51 games one year? He won 64, 64 games one year. Lost in the NBA Finals in 2020-21. Made it to the conference semifinals the, uh, the next two years. So I don't think he's that bad of a coach to to be in this predicament, right? It's hard to explain how a team can lose this much. I, I, I can't explain it. You have a good coach, guy who's had a track record of success. You have at least one player that you can consider to be somewhat of a star of sorts. And a decent cast of young talent as well. So it doesn't make sense that they cannot win a game, but they were 2-1 and one and now they're 2-29. and 29. <laughs> Think about that. They're 2-29. and 29. Art Martinez, this is just mind-boggling and bizarre. L- let's that a com- team that's not trying to lose can lose this much. Let's compare it to some of the other sports. Like, okay. 
like in the NFL, it's 29 games straight. The Chicago Cardinals, and that was three years, 1942 to 1945. But think about the era, right? Think about the era, though, right? Like different era, I don't know. Totally no different free era. Agency things yeah. like that, you know. Now you can, you know, change a roster in one off season. Right. In, in Major League Baseball, that. it was 26 games. Louisville right. Colonels in 1889. Right. Which is, again, just another Different generation. era. Right. So, I, I don't understand. Is it understand. worse now? Is, you think it's worse now than it was back then? To, to, to lose this many games? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I don't know what policies were back then in terms of the ability to trade players, I don't know. I doubt there was no such thing as free agency in those in those times, in the 1940s in the NFL and the 19, in the 1890s in baseball, whatever it was. There was no free agency. So you certainly couldn't do that. You couldn't change out a roster within one year like that. So, you know, this to me is clearly much worse. I mean, this is this is at a level that is that is again stunning. Really stunning. It's something you just don't expect. And I feel bad because the Pistons, it's like we talk about the Cleveland Browns, right? The Pistons have a fan base. They have a good fan base. They have had a track record of success in the organization's history. They had the bad boys, right? I mean, that was a heck of a lot of fun to watch those guys. And pretty much they ended, the, uh, they ended the Lakers dynasty back in the early 90s or when, whenever it was. Yeah, and don't forget, they didn't exactly... You know, when they won with that team, and they had Rip Hamilton, they had a Rashid Wallace. They had really good players. I wouldn't say any of them were great players. Rashid Wallace is a really good player. Rip Hamilton was a really good player. Dennis Rodman was a really good player. Maybe, uh, maybe the closest thing to great, I'm not sure. But you see what I'm saying? They just knew how to play as a team. So you can win without having that one true superstar. Bill Lame Beer. Lame Beer, exactly. They had attitude. They had swagger. They hurt you. Like they they made it you didn't drive the lane on them because you were gonna end up on the floor or in the hospital. It was a different era. So you have a team that's got a track record of historical success, a fan base that has stuck through it, you know, and, and has tasted the champagne. And now they're sitting there watching this dreck. Two and 29, embarrassed. I actually talked to two guys today at work earlier who are Lions fans. And, or excuse me, Detroit sports fans. They're both from the area. And one of them said to me, you know something's wrong in the world when I have to look at the Lions as the successful team in my city. Like, think about that, Art. The Lions have long long been the joke of Detroit, right? Red Wings would be successful. Tigers have had some down years, sure, but they've had some success. The Pistons we talked about have had success in the, you know, the history of the organization. The Lions are the ones who can't win a playoff game. And now the Lions are the ones that they're relying on to kind of be the team that's going to give you something to root for. The Red Wings are doing all right. They're 35-16. When was it? 35, 16, and 15. Who, the Red Wings? Oh, is that, am I looking at the right one? You're looking at some other season. Yeah. <laughs> they haven't played that many games yet. The Red Wings are 16, 15, and 4. 
They've played 35 games. They've won 16 games. They've yeah, lost you're right. 15, 16, 15, and, they have and four, four overtime losses. They're they're and I am going to the game next week against uh, LA Kings. Kings. LA Kings who are very Detroit good Red by Wings. the way. Yeah, yeah. it's going to be a good game. Yeah, I, you know, the Red Wings are a 500 middling team right now. So in the city of Detroit right now, who's the team that gives you hope of anything? The Lions. No one ever thought that would be the case. If you said the Lions would be the saving grace, you'd be like, ah, you're crazy. What's wrong with you? That's impossible. You're telling me the Lions are the team that I'm going to root for and are going to make the postseason? Come on, you're crazy. Well, guess what? The world has shifted. Things have changed. The Lions are the team that will literally give you some satisfaction in the city of Detroit because every other one of those teams is, well, somewhat embarrassing right now. Sad to see, my friend. Sad to see, but that's exactly what's going on. <laughs> oh, it's embarrassing. It's emba- It's sad. Detroit 2-28. and 2-29. and 29. Losers of 28 straight. And it's, it, what's incredible to me, though, is, you know, Boston came into yesterday's game, Art. They came in with a record of 14-0 and 0 at home. They hadn't lost at home yet. They were perfect at home. You know what that means? They just completely overlooked Detroit thinking, we're just going to walk all over them. It's going to be an easy game. It's not going to be a contest. And I understand that rationale considering you're the Boston Celtics. You are a legit contender to win it all this year. They, They legitimately are. I mean, Boston's been really good. They have the best record in basketball right now, 24 and 6, and they're 15 and 0 at home. So they just kind of looked at it and said to themselves, all right, we're more worried about a Toronto Raptors team on Friday night than we are about the Detroit Pistons, and the Raptors aren't that good. They're 12 and 18. And they completely overlooked the Pistons because that's a team that had lost 27. Imagine if you're the Boston Celtics. You're playing at home at TD, and you lose, and you're the team that Detroit snaps its streak on. Imagine if that had happened. Uh, so are they going to get better ratings now? I mean, uh, when they play the Raptors, Detroit. <laughs> is everybody going to be tuning in to to watch to, the game to see if they, see if they lose? <laughs> is that something? People are going to watch your games not to see if you win, and not to cheer. Rooting you, to, to cheer see if you, you lose. Yeah, they're rooting to see if you're going to lose. Like, people are watching because they want to be a part of history, and we're not talking the good kind of history here. Are, are people making flights and trying to get tickets to that game now? Uh, you know what? We should look up during the break. We should definitely look up and to see what ticket prices are right now. Are they higher for this upcoming game because people are going to want to be in attendance to watch the team lose, or are tickets going to be cheaper because, well, no one's going to these games because, well, they can't win a game. I'm going to say before even looking here, Art, and we're going to check again during the break. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to check right now. Ticket prices are actually higher now. I, I agree with you. I think ticket prices are going to be slightly higher because people want to be there to witness the possibility of history happening. You agree? Oh, yeah. I'm looking at yeah. it right now. Oh, I can't wait. Oh, boy. I can't wait to hear what it says. Oh, yeah. Like, what exactly are tickets going for? Like, what exactly are tickets going for? This? How much are you paying to see the Detroit uh, Detroit Pistons set an NBA record for futility? Like, what's that worth to you, right? 
Like you have to think to yourself, like, what's it worth to you to see a team lose their 29th game in a row to make history that one day you can sit there and you can say to your grandkids, I was there. I was there. <laughs> when the Pistons lost their 29th straight game. I was in attendance. Here is the tickets. Here's Although, the stub. You don't get stubs anymore. In fact, you don't even get tickets. No, a lot of times, it's, it's, right? it's, it's all yeah, it's all on your phone. It's on your phone, which I hate, by the way. I I dislike that too. I like the physical tickets, and I think uh, some. Did you hear? Like I think it was last year, a guy found that he had a ticket unused to Michael Jordan's debut game or something like that in Chicago. Wow. And he couldn't go for some reason, and he still had the ticket. It was in great shape, and he sold it for a boatload of money. No way. Yeah, yeah, we gotta look that up too. But that that happened. So look, I, it, it it happens. I, I, son, I was there for the Pistons' 29th straight loss. All right, we're gonna. Find I had out floor seats. I had, yeah, I had floor, floor seats. seats. I got him on the secondary market and overpaid. National NBA reporter for the Athletic, Mike Vorkanov, is gonna join us next. Give us his thoughts, man. What's going on in Detroit? I'm Dan Schwartzman. It is a Friday. Rich Eisen with a well-deserved few days off. I'll be back on Monday as well for the New Year's Day edition of the show. You're tuned in to The Rich Eisen Show. Let's talk sleep number, people, because quality sleep is so essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is dissolved for your ever-evolving sleep needs. And the same thing for your partner, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Quiets your snores or your partner's? Sleep Number does that. My Sleep Number setting is 60. My wife's is 70. Ten numbers apart, but it truly is the world of difference. The Sleep Number sleep that you get is unbelievable. You will love it. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now you could save 50%. That's 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Let's talk game time. Boy, do we love using game time tickets at the Rich Eisen Show. And every single time I've been watching the basketball playoffs on TV, I've been wondering what it would be like to be at these games. And when you choose your tickets on game time, you can see the view from your seat where the court is, where you are in relation to it. And then the all-in prices, that's my favorite feature. The all-in prices makes sure that you see the lowest price guarantee and also know exactly how much everything costs costs all in before you purchase so all the guesswork is removed when you buy playoff tickets with game time download the game time app create an account and use my code rich for twenty dollars off your first purchase terms apply visit gametime.co for restrictions again create an account redeem my code r-i-c-h for twenty dollars off your first purchase download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed Twenty past the hour, it's hour number two of the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Schwartzman in for Rich on this Friday, talking Detroit Pistons. Twenty-eight straight losses, tying the Philadelphia 76ers NBA record for futility. They go for twenty-nine. 
Saturday versus the Toronto Raptors. And we have found out, haven't we, Art Martinez, that tickets are actually higher priced for that game. So people want to go see history potentially made. They're there to watch a team lose. As pathetic <laughs> as, as that sounds. Yes, I, w- I would go if I could. Uh, yeah, well, again, you tell the grandkids about it. I was there to see the Pistons lose their 29th game in a row to set a record. Uh, we got to get more into this. National NBA reporter for the Athletic, Mike Vorkanov, joining us here. And, Mike, Happy New Year. I have to, to, to bring this up because the Sixers, at least when they set the original record for futility, were trying to lose games. It was Tankadelphia. What's the excuse for Detroit? I, you know, there is decent, a little talent there at Cade Cunningham. They have an established coach with Monty Williams. What the heck is going on, Mike? Yeah, I'm not sure there is an excuse right now. It's just very, 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 did I did I throw enough varies in there? Very bad. Keep uh, going. Type of situation. Yeah. Uh, when you lose 28 straight, there's, there's no high end of how many varies you can throw in there. No, I mean, they were obviously trying to get better from last year. That's kind of been their build. Uh, they hire Monty Williams, pay him a lot of money, right? And uh, no, the, those Sixers were kind of trying to tank to the top. Uh, these Pistons were just trying to get better and has failed miserably. How much of it do you put on Monty Williams? <clears throat> I mean, uh, sure, some, right? When you lose 28 straight games, it's not as if the coach is blameless, but it's not as if he's gotten a great roster. He's got injuries. I think there's plenty to go around in terms of the roster management, the bill, uh, the roster construction, um, obviously the coaching as well as, uh, on top of that. But it's uh, it's hard to split up a lot of blame in this situation because when when there's uh, some something that this bad, 28 straight losses, two and 29, um, there's just so much to go around that you can't just heap it on one person alone. And there was some hope. You know, they start the season off the one-point loss to Miami. They win their next two. It's like, okay, they're not going to be terrible, right? Like, you know, maybe borderline playoffs. And then literally, it's been two months. Yesterday was exactly two months since a Pistons fan saw them win a game. And they almost had it. Clearly, the Celtics were sleeping, and they were overlooking Detroit. They were 14 at home, at NO at home, down 21 at one point. Mike, there was hope, right? The Christmas miracle that uh, Detroit could could end that streak, and somehow Boston woke up. They win it in overtime. I, I it's stunning to me. That's where we're at right now with this team. But what's happened is, Mike, it's also kind of masked two other teams that are just not very good right now. San Antonio, they of course have uh, Wembamyana. There's a future there. What's Washington's deal? Is that just the beginning of a terribly long rebuild potentially? Yeah, I mean, it definitely looks like it. Um, you know, the Spurs have Wemby, right? So they have their anchor player, although they've been right. pretty bad themselves. Uh, they were 4-24 yeah. and 24 before they won last night. Um, but Washington is, I mean, this just looks like a multi-year rebuild for them. You know, their best players are guys like Jordan Poole and Kyle Kuzma. And, I, I, you know, those are not kind of anchor players that you can move forward with when you eventually want to be a good team. Uh, Bilal Kulabali, their first-round pick, is really young. I think he's 19 and was one of the younger players in the draft, and he's was seen as more of a developmental type of player when he was drafted. And um, I think they're thinking for the long haul, which is something Washington has not done in a very long time. And it's going to take a lot, I think, um, to rebuild that roster and to get that organization in the right place to be competitive. And, you know, the, the funny thing is, or I don't know if funny is the right word, but they'll probably have a high pick in this year's draft too, and this year is not – seen as a very good draft at the top so it might take a few years uh to get things right there you know i i think funny is a good word and here's why you know the nba out of any other league 
has shown that in one offseason, you can go from the toilet to the penthouse, you know, in terms of how much cap room you have, in terms of how sexy you are in the eyes of a free agent. And I have to tell you, you know, Detroit's not exactly a sexy city. I love Washington, D.C. personally, but you don't hear people say, I want to go play in Washington. And San Antonio, of course, isn't either. So, you know, take San Antonio out because, as you said, they have that building block superstar in Wemby. But Washington and Detroit, if you're a fan of one of those teams, I mean, what are we looking at? Three to five years of darkness? Yeah, but I, I think that way of <clears throat> that that way of building a team isn't really doable anymore. We don't see the best players hit free agency anymore, so getting a lot of cap room uh, doesn't buy you as much as it used to. And so you're not going to be able to rebuild yourself overnight uh, through free agency to become like a great team. We saw Houston do something like it this offseason, right? They signed Fred Van Vliet. Um, Dylan Brooks, a little other, a few other free agents around the margins, and, and it helped them get a lot better too. But you know, a lot better meant being one of the worst teams in the league last year to now being, I think, they're 15 and 14 this morning, so just a little bit over 500. Uh, so it's not as if you're going to sign a star free agent and all of a sudden be, uh, you know, one of the best teams in the conference in just in one one summer. So I think there are different approaches and I, uh, that teams have to take now. You have to go through the trade, which means obviously giving up a lot if you want to get something really good. And, uh, you know, it's just, I think, more difficult to turn it around overnight unless you're a young team that finds the accelerator really quickly like the Thunder have. Chat with Mike Vorkanov from the National uh, National NBA reporter for The Athletic here on the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Schwartzman in for Rich. Are you, believing, are you a believer in the Minnesota Timberwolves, what they've been able to do? They're 23-7 right now. Yeah, I think they're really good. Um, the talent is finally coming together for them in, in a way they didn't last year, and you see some of the underlying metrics are pretty good. I think they have you know, the second-best point differential in the West, and they have a really good lead guard with Anthony Edwards, right? Cat is a very good offensive player. Rudy Gobert is back to being one of the best defensive players in the league, and they have guys like Jalen McDaniels. Um, uh, and Mike Conley, who are nice complimentary players. I, I think that's a good team. I, I, I mean, we'll see how it works in the playoffs, right? That's always a tell, and we haven't seen that yet with Minnesota, so there's a sense of, like, we'll see. It. We'll believe it when we see it, but I, I think there's something there that can make them competitive, get to the second round, maybe, who knows, make a third, uh, third-round appearance in the Western Conference Finals, potentially. But I, I think the pieces are there. One fun thing, and we're not even halfway through the season, of course, is the MVP talk, right? It's been... You know, we've watched obviously two of the last three years. It, it's been Nikola Jokic, and rightfully so. He's been tremendous. We saw Joel Embiid last year get it. He's been even better this year. Luca's done amazing things. Right now, if if the you know, and and I think it's really a competition when you look at these big big names that are all putting up big numbers. Who's been the best player so far in the league? Uh, for me, it's Joel Embiid. You know, I thought Nikola Jokic should have won the award last year. Uh, but Joel Embiid won it, and he was a good option too. But I think this year he's far and away the MVP. Really, like far and away. Uh, to me, I mean the average, like the score, the points. Obviously, uh, thirty-five points per game. He's the first seven-footer to average thirty-five or more since Will Chamberlain, like in sixty years. Um, that's just <laughs> that's incredible. I don't man. even that's know incredible. how to how to capture that. That's crazy. Um, you know, the Sixers are pretty good this year, too, despite losing James Harden. Uh, what do they have, like the third or fourth best record in the Eastern Conference? And obviously Tyrese Maxey's gotten a lot better, but I think Embiid is, a, you know, he's a, he's a part of that and why they've improved, why he's improved, rather. Uh, I, I just think, you know, in terms of other contenders, 
you know, Jokic is obviously still great, but he hasn't had quite the like highest echelon Jokic season. I think Doncic is good, but I think the Mavericks just aren't as good as a right. team. Um, you know, Giannis is very good, but you know, he's benefiting from having Dame Lillard there. And some games Dame is the leading scorer. And so there's just like a little less on his plate, even though he's averaging 32 and 10 and like six assists or something crazy Which like is that. Ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So don't get me wrong. It's not as if like he's been bad or anything, but I just think this year to me and beat is the, uh, clear MVP favorite. I think the, the analytics like him as well. And so, um, I, I thought that Jokic should have won it last year. Um, Although I Agreed, saw the case yeah. for Embiid, uh, but I think Embiid is the is the favorite this year. I think you know by the end of the season we'll see guys like Shea Gilgis Alexander in the conversation as well, and um, it should be a fun MVP award. I mean, we're only still like what a third of the way into the season. Yeah, a little over a third. I'll give you another name, and he's not going to win it. His Pacers are sixteen and fourteen, I believe, on the season, but. You know, very quietly, Tyrese Halliburton's becoming quite the star there. He not just puts up numbers, but he shoots at a high percentage. You know, he's a guy that's a 50-40, and, you know, he's not at 90 yet, obviously, for free-throw shooting, but he shoots at a high percentage. He's an incredible facilitator. His passing numbers are great. Low turnovers as well. Scores a ton. I mean, if he didn't play in Indiana and he played in L.A. or New York or Miami or a bigger market, that's a name we'd probably be talking about a lot more. But how impressed have you been with just his growth and what he's done the last couple of years to build up to really being a superstar? Yeah, I mean, you don't have to talk to, talk me into uh, Tyrese Halliburton. You know, I've, I think the Pacers have been fun this year. He's been great. Um, I, I think maybe he'll just be really a casualty in the sense that I don't think the Pacers will win enough games, right? Right. You still have to reach some kind of games one threshold, some imaginary threshold to be in the MVP conversation for real. But if they can get to 50 wins, I mean, I think he's very, he'd be very deserving of a top five MVP spot. Um, he's playing so well earlier this year, back when they were really rolling that I'd say he was in that top five MVP conversation. Uh, they've kind of, you know, dropped off since then, especially since their in season tournament run. But if they can get it going again and they finish in the top half of the East, he should definitely get some consideration and get some uh, appreciation for what he's doing this year. There's a little controversy in the NBA. Becky Hammond, who's very well respected, of course, with her own professional career as a player and, of course, now as a coach as well and, and doing great with uh, you know in the, in the WNBA. But she talked about Jalen Brunson and at his height he can't be a true 1A. Do you agree? I mean, he's, he's obviously done a lot of good things for the Knicks. He's coming and he's been just a, you know, probably better than anybody thought he'd be. Dallas is kicking himself for not keeping him, but can he be a 1A regardless of his height in your book? Uh, yeah, I mean, probably. I, I think, you know, like historically we haven't seen players that size uh, be the very best player on the title contender, right? You know, Isaiah Thomas is probably the only one that comes to mind. Uh, even Steph Curry is 6'3", although he's slight. Um, so he's a little bit bigger than Jalen Brunson and his game is totally different, obviously, but there's no reason that, you know, Jalen Brunson can't be the best player on the team that like gets to the Eastern conference finals. The the Knicks almost did it last year. I, I think it's uh, so much is dependent as well on who's around him and what kind of team is around them. Right. It's not as if, uh, he's going to be taking that team to the finals himself. There are so few players that can do that. Right. That's really just a handful of players altogether. Uh, that's you know that goes beyond being like a one A. That's just the guy who can carry a team. And there's really only what four or five of those guys in the league at a time who can do that. And I don't think Jalen Brunson is in that conversation. But I can definitely see him being the best player on a team that gets to the Eastern Conference Finals or something like that. If you build something cohesive around them and uh, makes up for his 
uh, you know, for his for his frailties or for the things he doesn't do well. I don't think it's really that controversial that, you know, bigger players, bigger on the ball type of players are better options, right? We've seen that historically within the NBA, but uh, there's no reason that he can't be an outlier for it. Yeah, no, agreed, absolutely, and he's certainly showed that. You look at his body type, the way he plays, you don't think he's going to do what he does, and then he does, and he's, you know, I watch a lot of Knicks games, and he has really been a tremendous player the last uh, year and a half with the Knicks. Mike Vornikoff here, national NBA reporter for The Athletic, joining us. What do you do with Draymond Green? He is who he is. You know, they, they can definitely suspend, and he, he can talk to uh, experts and shrinks and whatever. The fact is, this is the player he is. He's going to have that moniker of being a dirty player. You can't change who he is. But if you're the NBA, you're trying to send him a message with this indefinite suspension. It's going to happen again at some point. What needs to happen with Draymond Green moving forward? I really don't know. Uh, like, truly, I, I don't know. I mean, uh, if he's going to do it again, and obviously this is something that the NBA and the Warriors are trying to cut off too, right, with this current suspension, uh, you know, it becomes kind of a danger to others on the floor with the way that he's played and kind of just the uh, the violence that he's played with. You know, I, I think you just you hope for now that he can come back changed. Whether that's possible or not, I, I don't really know either. Um, we've seen players who can kind of continue to make these mistakes over the course of their career. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I think it's truly one of the, the kind of insurmountable types of things to get over right now for the Warriors and, and for the league how to handle it because usually what we have is uh, when someone keeps making the same mistake over and over like this, you, you see kind of an increasing set of suspensions, right? And the NBA has chosen this time to instead of like go off of a penalty schedule to just say he's out indefinitely until he can get himself in the right place, but I, I don't know how you can decide or figure out when he's in the right place because that's kind of a qualitative type of answer. And, you know, the NBA will consult the Warriors and they'll consult the PA and, and the, you know, the health professionals that he's working with. But I don't know if you can ever really be truly sure uh, that he'll be good to go and when he is coming back that he'll be in a place where he won't do this again. But, you know, Mike, you know, we talked about it a little bit here. It's a style that he plays with. It's the chip on the shoulder that he plays with. And maybe this is why he's been such an effective player. And it's also his shortfall. But we've seen in football guys that are considered dirty players, they don't change the way they play, right? Rick Mahorn never changed the way he played, per se. That's just the way he played. And I find it interesting that the league thinks or hopes or, you know, pie in the sky that with this and counseling, he's going to be different. I think the reason Draymond Green could be a second-round pick and have the career he's had is because of the way he plays. And if you're a Warriors fan, you love him. You love having him on your team. But every other fan base of other teams don't like him, of course, until he comes and joins your team. So at this point, I think you just got to put up with it and say, I hope he doesn't hurt somebody, but if we're going to allow him to play... We have to kind of expect something to happen because he's not going to show up after 12 years and tomorrow become a goody two-shoes out there. And that, to me, is, I yeah, think, no. the big concern, Mike. Yeah, and, and I get that. And I think he's always played <clears throat> with that kind of chip on the shoulder, as you said. It, it hasn't always meant that he'd be out there injuring other players, right, or potentially right. injuring other players. I think there's other players who play with a chip on their shoulder that don't haven't gone as far as Draymond has. Um, it becomes an issue for the Warriors because – Every time this happens, he misses more games, right? Uh, <laughs> you know, that means they're without one of their best players. And Draymond is still is a really, really good basketball player, too. And so it's in their best interest to get this fixed or figured out as well, right? If they want to make a run in the playoffs, if they want to make the playoffs, they need him on the court. Um, you know, and so you have to figure out a way, and Draymond has to figure out a way to 
you know, carry that chip on his shoulder to play with the aggression uh, that he does, but also in a way that it doesn't like get him thrown out every game or every fifth game, whatever, you know, the average has been this year. Right. Uh, And he had been able to manage it for a large portion of his career. Um, he just hasn't been able to do that the last few years. The last two last years. question. I want to stay with the Golden State Warriors here. Steve Kerr has been an amazing coach there, and his message has reverberated with the team. Is it getting stale? And it always happens. The Yankees had that with Joe Torre, of course. We've seen other instances as well, but they're not as successful anymore, right? Guys are getting older. They're still good names on that roster. Guys playing at a high level. Is maybe you know the, the they're not going to fire Steve Kerr anytime soon. It'll be up to him, I think. But if you're Steve Kerr, do you start to look around and say, okay, maybe it's time for a new challenge? It's getting a little stale. Yeah, I don't know how much it is uh, getting stale as much as them getting older. Um, to me, like that always seems like the best answer to these things. Clay is right. going to be 34 this year. Steph, I I think he's 35 already. Right, Draymond is somewhere in his early to mid thirties. Um, <clears throat> they don't have Andre Iguodala anymore, right? Sean Livingston, Andrew Bogut, all the guys from the early part of the dynasty, Kevin Durant is gone and they just haven't been able to replace the talent. I think to me, that's kind of the, the logical answer is guys are getting older. There's a little bit of slippage or a lot of slippage, depending on who you look at. And it's hard to replace that if you can't bring more talent in and, and they haven't been able to do that because their lottery picks haven't worked out. And so, I think no matter how good the message is, if the players aren't as good in this point in their career, I, I, you can't you can't make up for that. Yeah, I think Weissman uh, not panning out as number two pick really hurt him. You yeah, know, I think they kind of thought that pick. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, the Kuminga draft when they could have had Franz Wagner. Obviously, yeah. the you know the Moses Moody you know has been nice and has worked out at times, but he hasn't been a consistent player for them. So. You know, if they could have nailed some of those lottery picks, this looks a lot different, and you don't worry as much about the slippage for Clay Thompson and uh, for Draymond Green or, you know, or Andrew Wiggins even. I think Steph is still amazing, so I don't think you're looking at him, but, like, everyone else around him just can't maintain their level of excellence that they had for yeah. such a long time. No question. They could have had the second act if the young players had panned out, and for Steve Kerr, kind of that next group to start training to continue a – a dynasty there there in San Francisco. Mike Vornikov, appreciate you hopping on. Happy New Year, by the way. Amazingly, we're turning the calendar coming up this weekend. Uh, National NBA reporter at The Athletic. Mike, appreciate the time. Hey, thanks for having me. Have a great 2024, hopefully. Same to you as well, man. Awesome stuff there. Thank you. Uh, Steph, you know, Steph Curry still putting up points, playing at a high level, but the Draymond Green situation, Clay Thompson, young players not working out. If you're Steve Kerr, do you look to potentially jump ship to a better opportunity future-wise if there is one? Or do you kind of sink with the ship, go down with it as the captain? We're going to debate that next. Dan Schwartzman on a Friday, final Friday of calendar year 2023, final Friday, of course, of the, actually the final show of 2023 for the Rich Eisen Show. We continue next. Dan Schwartzman for Rich, The Rich Eisen Show. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about 
how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford anything, wherever you listen. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Rich Eisen show on a Friday. Dan Schwartzman in for Rich. Steve Kerr, what do you do at this point? They're kind of running in place there with the Golden State Warriors. Team struggling. They're 15 and 16 right now. He's had a tremendous career. No one's going to say he hasn't. And Steve Kerr's won a heck of a lot as a player and, of course, as a head coach. He has earned the right to decide his own future if he wants to stick around longer with the Warriors or if he doesn't. He's been there since 2014. It's been one heck of a run. You know, his career coaching record is impressive. He's won 473 games. He's lost 238. He's won almost 67% of his game. He wins two-thirds of the games he coaches. He's won four NBA championships and he's lost twice, okay, in the finals. I mean, that's that's unbelievable. That's incredible success. Ten years to win four times and to make the finals two other occasions. It's a dynasty. But since 2019, they've won a championship, but they've also missed the playoffs twice. And that's a lot of it's also, you know, injury to players. Last year, though, they went 44 and 38. Lost in the conference semifinals. This year, they're obviously struggling at 15 and 16. Guys aren't getting any younger. You know, Steph Curry looks like he deserves to be carded at the movie theater, but he's 35 years old right now. Clay Thompson is 33 years old, and he's been banged up. He's missed time. You can't count on him to give you a full season anymore. Draymond Green is indefinitely suspended because he can't stay out of trouble. And by the way, he's also 33 with a lot of miles. Because here's the other thing we're not looking at, okay? It's not just that they've been in the league a long time because a lot of guys come to the NBA now while still a teenager. One and done, whatever it may be, even two and done. A lot of guys come at 19 years old, 20 years old. So if you're 33, you've potentially already played 13, 14 years in this league. People forget Kobe Bryant uh, started to go down, you know, downhill in terms of his play on the court and being able to stay healthy at an age where you're like, well, he's 35. But then you forget he came into the league at 17. That's why LeBron's amazing. It's that LeBron's been in the NBA since he's 18 and he doesn't seem to age. But physically, he has aged in terms of his actual age. So... The Golden State Warriors are not a young team at this point, and 
because of the success they've had, they've played so many games in the postseason as well. Since Steve Kerr has gotten there, or listen to this statistic, since Steve Kerr has gotten to Golden State in 2014-2015 being his first year, they have played 140 playoff games. That is almost two more years of miles on the legs, knees, and bodies of those star players. And it definitely takes a toll, absolutely. Yes! <clears throat> the Lakers, you know, they beat up the Warriors last year in the playoffs. They did. Because, you know, you get physical with them at this point, that makes a difference. Because you're talking about guys that have a ton of miles. A ton of miles on them. And that's because of the success they've had. No one's going to question the greatness of Steph Curry or Klay Thompson. If you think Draymond's great, fine, go right ahead. I, I think he's really good. I don't think he's great. I, I, people talk about him being a Hall of Famer. I don't see it. I don't vote him into the Hall of Fame. I don't have a vote, though. People will put him in the Hall of Fame, and he may actually get in there. You go out and get yourself a Chris Paul. He's 38 years old. I'm not sure what the point was there. Clearly, the miles have worn on Chris Paul. That's an organization that kind of, I think, was thinking to itself, all right, let's get a big name. Let's make one last run at it, see if we can do it. And that's why they brought in a veteran like Chris Paul at 38 years old. But we just talked about it in the last segment. They just have not drafted well with the lottery picks they've had. Anytime you are an organization in the midst of a dynasty and you have a bad year because of injuries, and that's what happened, and you somehow get yourself a high lottery pick. And the Warriors had the second pick in the draft. You're thinking to yourself, we land a star young player. He has time to develop, right? Because he's not going to be looked at as a focal point of the team when you still have Steph Curry, Clay Thompson back from injury, Draymond Green, guys like that, Kevin Durant, whatever, when he was there. And this guy can develop. And then next thing you know, we can allow one of the high-priced guys to go. Or if a guy gets injured, we have this guy who's still relatively cheap. He's on a rookie deal. And he takes the reins. And then once Steph Curry decides he's had enough, we go to Joe Schmo being the next guy. And he's a superstar, right? It's like Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers. You have a succession plan. You have the talent waiting. And boom, there you are. David Robinson to Tim Duncan. Duncan with years in between, of course, to Wemby. And that's what they thought they could do. Weissman was that impressive player, a five-star recruit out of high school, goes to Memphis, has issues there with eligibility, but a ton of talent. He's not even there in Golden State anymore. He hasn't worked out. He's in Detroit, and that's obviously not working out so well. And He's part of a 28-straight lost team. But if you're Steve Kerr, do you want to hang around? At some point, this is going to become a rebuild, right? And while no one's going to take away four rings that you've won as a coach, and no one's going to take away your Hall of Fame candidacy as a coach, do you really want to stick around as your star player's age without young guys to kind of be the next group? You know what I'm saying? Like, there is no young talent that you're going to say, It's worth sticking around for. Greg Popovich is sticking around. Why? Because he's got Wemby. If you have Wemby there, and he's a star, he's going to be a superstar. You see it when he's out there. 
you put a little bit more meat on his bones, he is a star. He's a superstar in the making. He is what you call a unicorn. He is. But Steve Kerr doesn't have a Wemby to get excited about for the future. Look, Greg Popovich, if he doesn't have Wemby, maybe does retire. Because there's nobody there that you can, you know, bank on and say, I want to continue coaching this team because I I can see that I can succeed. When Andy Reid got Patrick Mahomes, that extended his coaching career by years. And it keeps him in Kansas City for years. Because if you're Andy Reid and all you know how to do is coach, and we know that even when he had family problems in Philadelphia with his sons, Andy Reid's solace was a little time off from coaching, but he was right back at it. Because that's that's all he knows how to do. For Greg, you know, as long as Patrick Mahomes is there, he knows he can win 10 games a year, 11 games a year, win some more Super Bowls. And that's how Popovich views Wemby. I get that. Kerr doesn't have that option there because his stars are all aging. Want to get to some baseball talk? We're going to do that next in Hour 3. Why not? These free agents, are we going to see some movement? Where are the big names like Blake Snell going to go? Is anybody going to take a chance on Trevor Bauer? We'll find out. Keith Law, American baseball writer for The Athletic. He joins us next. Dan Schwartzman on a Friday. In for Rich. It's The Rich Eisen Show.